Hello there. Welcome to Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster and author of Positive Changes, a self-kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z approach of modern day grief healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life. Fear not, it's not just me. Each week, I will bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey. So if you're ready to be inspired, let's go. This week, I am joined by the gorgeous and inspirational Hannah Pillow. Hannah's story began with the sudden death of her father, an event that rippled throughout her life. Everything is just swept under the carpet. You're just going on with your life. And a lot of the times I remember feeling like something was actually wrong with me because I couldn't live a normal life. And I was always being the, you know, targeted as being too moody, too, um, angry to aggressive and nobody could actually put a name to this and be like okay Hannah's grieving she needs help and that was basically my entire life going on like you said into my adult life. I believe Hannah's story is going to resonate with so many of us today so let's go and meet Hannah right now. show I am joined by the lovely Hannah Pillow and she's a communications expert and she's the founder of the Refreshingly Human podcast so hello there Hannah. Hi hi Shelley thanks for having me. Bless you I can't wait for you to share your story because it's not just one story it's kind of an entanglement of your journey so far in life so please do start to share. So I was six years old when my father passed away uh, it was quite a sudden that in our family he was really young I think he was 29 years old when he passed on and he had four kids so leaving my mom with four kids to look after my youngest brother was just a baby at that time and he passed away in a shop robbery actually um I'm, I'm from South Africa originally and crime I'm not sure how familiar people are with South Africa but crime is pretty intense in South Africa. I always say that I don't think there's anyone in South Africa who doesn't know someone who's been murdered. And my dad had actually been murdered. He'd been shot uh, and he passed away. And having losing someone at such a young age, someone like your parent at such a young age, it really triggers a lot of trauma in your life. And one thing I would like to point out is I was six when he passed away and a lot of people around me assumed that I was too young to, to grieve, not to grieve, but too young to remember my dad well. And I want to stress how much I actually remember about my dad. Like I can remember, I can tell you so many memories about him. I was so close to my dad. I'm the only daughter. And I think a lot of people know that relationship with a daughter and a dad is something else. So I was really, really attached to him. So losing him was 
a huge trauma in my life. It was something I obviously wasn't prepared for. At, uh, I don't think anyone at any age is ever prepared for something like that. And it, at six years old, though, having to have to identify those emotions, grief, trauma, anxiety, I wasn't equipped. I didn't have names for these feelings. And I think growing up in the era that I grew up in as well, we weren't yet familiar with these terms. We weren't yet familiar with mental health. I didn't have the tools for such a long time to deal with my grief. And it was an ongoing thing in my life for many, many years. Um, I think only quite recently have I been able to work through that trauma and that grief. And how old are you now? You were six then, so how old are you now? I'm 33 years old now. <laughs> yes, that's quite a lot of years, isn't it, to then find the tools, you know, and process what you were as a child now as an adult. Oh my gosh, it was a long, long journey. Um, it was kind of like living your life, not actually knowing, or like I said, being able to put a name to what you're feeling and what you're experiencing for such a long time. But it's also a combination of being in that environment that also doesn't know all these things. So it's just pretty much everything is just swept under the carpet. You're just going on with your life. And a lot of the times I remember feeling like something was actually wrong with me because I couldn't live a normal life and I was always being the you know targeted as being too moody too um, angry too aggressive and nobody could actually put a name to this and be like okay Hannah's grieving she needs help and that was basically my entire life going on like you said into my adult life. I think that's just so powerful I had goosebumps when you were saying about it like you know you didn't have names for what was going on and then people start to define you. You can't define yourself, but then people are defining you like, oh, she's mm -hmm. a bit moody. You know, mm -hmm. if they just said like, you're grieving, you know, because you were six, you know, your dad was 29, you're one of four, you know. <laughs> exactly. How do you process that? You know, I think it's exactly. really powerful. And I think that it's so, it's so important nowadays that we have these tools, we have these names to identify what we're feeling, we have the support and the community. But when I compare it back then to what my family was going through, my mom didn't have these tools to cope with her grief. If she didn't have the tools to cope with her grief, how was she going to help her kids cope with their grief? So everyone was just kind of like shoving this grief underneath the surface and just like living this life and being like, oh, look, we've moved on with our life and on the surface you're seeing a family that has moved on but if you actually came to our home you could literally feel that something was not right in this home that's so true I think so many people could be out there like nodding their heads like yes Hannah that's me you know because people <laughs> don't know how to grieve we don't speak about grief it's why I'm so passionate about talking about grief you know right the book's got the death cafe I've got it all because it's you know, guaranteed that we're all going to experience grief, whether it's through death of a loved one, you know, a relationship ending, you know, we're always losing something in our life. But as you mm -hmm. say, through no fault of anyone's, if your mum wasn't taught how to grieve, she doesn't know if she's grieving, she hasn't got the names to identify what's going on. So how do you bring up four children with, you know, a grieving mm -hmm. heart if you don't know you're grieving? Absolutely. And um, I mean, my mom and I have had a lot of relationship issues. And I'll be honest, we still do. <laughs> but I actually do really feel sorry 
for her situation. And I, I actually feel really grateful for my situation to be in the generation that I am to make these changes, to have these tools, to be able to help others. Um, whereas I know my mom has not had this experience in her life. And I, I feel bad for her that she didn't. Yeah. And I think, well, I know from all the work I do around grief, that people don't know how to move on. They're not aware they're grieving, you know, yeah. and you just, oh, I do. I would just want to help everyone. And I know it's not possible, but when you we start doing our work, we making a difference, aren't we? Having a ripple effect with the work we do. Yeah. And the thing is you can't help somebody who doesn't even acknowledge that they still have a problem or that they had a problem to begin with. Cause I think that some people can be a bit, I, how I describe it, it's kind of like a glass house. If they have to admit that they're not okay, everything shatters. So they have to keep up this image. And if they're not in a place to accept that they're not okay, there's not really much we can do to help them, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's true. And I can understand why people stay in the comfort zone. I mean, I work with people who are ready to make positive changes, but I get why there's people that don't. And it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously your mum's sitting in trauma because her husband was shot at the age of 29, you know. But she knows that story. It takes courage, doesn't it, to change that story, to do the plot twists. Mm -hmm. It takes courage. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a life-changing thing. And I know, I know I've, I've done I've done the work and I've I've made the changes. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's not the easy thing to do. Yeah. So bless you, you're six years old, you've got your siblings there, and your mum there, we don't really know if anyone's grieving or can label it as grief. What happened? How did your life go from then? How did you cope? I didn't, quite honestly, I didn't cope. Um, what happened was I started a very unhealthy relationship with food. Um, after my dad died, there was kind of like a balance in my house that was lost because my dad was like a very soft, kind, nurturing soul. And my mom has always been a bit of an authoritative figure in the household. So having have lost him, we lost that softness in the home. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like craving that, you know, craving that love, craving that attention. And I turned to food because, um, hey, food is great, right? It makes you feel amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I turned to food and I, I can actually, like, I actually have photographs of myself before my dad died. I was quite an average sized kid and you can actually see after my dad died that you could actually see me gradually putting on weight and just becoming a lot bigger than my, you know, than my cousins around me and the other kids my age. Um, and I actually only recently lost the weight. So I have a picture here somewhere of myself, but yeah, I've only recently lost the weight. I used to be like 80 kilograms and I'm like five foot tall. So that's a kind of, kind of heavy on my frame. And I've managed to lose 25 kilograms now. Um, I managed to change my relationship with food and, you know, it's still an ongoing thing. I have to say, because I think any kind of addiction is an ongoing thing to, to be aware of and to, you know, to change that mindset. But yeah, um, I, I did definitely use food as a way to cope. Um, looking back, I can't even, I always say to people, I can't even believe that I used to eat that much, like an entire box of biscuits with my tea, you know, 
I just, I can't even believe that that's what I used to eat. I used to have food in my bedroom. I used to hide food away. I, I was like just so obsessed with food. I think lots of people can really relate to this, Hannah, because, you know, grief is beyond our control. You know, it's like your dad was a sudden death. It's not something you would have predicted, certainly never wished for. You know, as you've had this sudden loss, this sudden change in your life. And I think people do get addictions because they can control that. And food's a mm -hmm. classic, you know, can control how much you eat. And sometimes that does spiral that control. But you, you're making that choice, whether it's alcohol, smoke, exercise. You know, mm -hmm. we do cling to things for which we feel safe we know we can always get more food that's not going anywhere we can always get more alcohol and things like that so I think you know it's totally understandable and I'm sure many out there are going like yes that was me with the ice cream the biscuits you know the alcohol yeah yeah I mean I've done I have done a podcast episode about it if anyone's interested on my podcast refreshingly human I did a whole podcast about how I how I recognized the patterns and the relationship with my food and how I broke how I came to the point of breaking those patterns. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people say it's okay to be not be okay, but I always say it's okay to not be okay if you as long as you're doing something about it. Because otherwise oh it's going to be bless you like your mum who's still doing the same story that's still the same, you know, thing she keeps telling herself. It's mm -hmm. breaking those patterns, like you say. And you've done it, you've started to lose the weight now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're saying like your relationship with food's changed. What about the relationship with your mom? Because that was obviously hugely impacted. How's that changed? Um, it's, it's a very complicated journey with my mom. Uh, I think the main way it's changed is that I feel compassion towards her. What hasn't changed is that there's no two-way dialogue. There's no room for a two-way dialogue between us she has a very big blockage when it comes to me. So she wouldn't like openly communicate with me. And I am all about being able to openly communicate with the people in my life. You know, I am a communications expert and I love to be very open in my communication style, but there's a huge barrier with my mom and I've tried to break that barrier with her. The only leeway I've managed to make with her is that we've come to a point in our lives where we both just accept each other as we are. And that is the best I could hope for. But there's no actual relationship there. And it's, I don't know, it sounds harsh to say this, but I, it's no longer a sore point in my life either. It's kind of just, it is what it is. <laughs> I've created my own environment. I've created my own family. I've got a lot of people who value and love me. Um, and I kind of, realized in a lot of therapy that I have been my own motherly figure for most of my life I don't actually need it from her anymore I know that sounds so harsh but it's just my reality <laughs> I don't think it's harsh I think it's amazing really I think it's going to really help people all of your stories so far but I think the fact you're a communications expert and you can't get communication with your mum just yells to me just let it go and I know that probably sounds really harsh to the listeners as well but we I have to. to yeah I had to you know Shirley I in in the last CBT CBT pra um, practice that I've been in I spent like weeks writing a very open letter to my mom the therapist helped me to tweak it we used non-violent communication we I promise you that letter went through so many edits and I sent it to her 
She never responded to it. But that is when we reached a point of acceptance with each other. And that's kind of when I realized that, you know what, that's the best I'm going to get. Like I put all this work and all this effort into trying to open that communication. It was in her court afterwards. And, you know, I got, I got what I got and I'm like, I have to accept this. It's not, it's not, it's not in my control anymore. I think it's really powerful. And I think it takes great courage to take that kind of positive change. I have to say that because there's going to be people there who are going to try and people please for the rest of their lives, you know, particularly our parents. We always want our parents to, you know, to respond to our achievements, you know, comfort during the losses, you know, respond to our letters in your case, just, you know, we want them to try and make it okay, but you've done amazingly well and you've made it okay. And I think that's really valuable, really valid that if you're struggling to get feedback from someone in your life and it's honestly not working, then just sit down and think, can I move on? Should I release it? Because you're just holding yourself back. You know, you make a very good point about people pleasing. Um, that is something that made me feel bad about myself for most of my life because it's kind of impossible for me to please my mom. Um, I come from a very religious family and sitting here, you can see I'm not exactly dressed like a religious person. I'm not a religious person. And my lifestyle is so different from my family's, but if I had to rely on them to validate me, I would still be feeling really bad about myself. Let's just put it that way. And I know that I have been doing some amazing things in my life. I know what my accomplish accomplishments are. I know my strengths. And you know what? I'm quite proud of myself. I don't need their validation anymore, but I will say for the listener's sake that getting to that point had taken a lot and a lot of work. Bless you. I'm going to get you to seriously up that quite proud of yourself. <laughs> Turn the <laughs> volume up on that one seriously and go all on out. Because it is that it's, you know, stopping that search for external validation all the time. So what do you think? You know, and it's like sticking to a career that you don't really want to do, but your dad thinks you should, you know, should inherit that business. You know, that pays good money, you know, and it is, you know, seriously, my type of positive change, that really courageous one where you think, right, I'm going to be really lonely and I'm going to shake off all my family, but this isn't for me. And so, yeah, not quite, Hannah, you've done amazingly well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could be really lonely. It depends how dependent you are on them. But I guess like for me, when I moved away from them, I created my own community, you know, uh, and I think that's one thing I realized about myself is I do have a very magnetic personality and I draw people to me and I, I find the right people. So I've actually even begun to trust myself that no matter where I move in the world, I'm going to find these people that are going to make my community. And I promise you, I have such amazing people around me. I was really ill for a long time. And one of my friends, she cooked me food for the entire week. And she was even going to take an Uber and drop it off at my house. And I was like, are you crazy? Like my husband went and picked it up from her. I was like, please don't like you're cooking all the food. Don't take an Uber as well. But I mean, I have like the most amazing people in my life who are just there for me beyond, above and beyond. And that's the kind of people that we need, isn't it? I really annoy my daughter. She's 10. She's about to go to secondary school. 
and friendships are really important to her and she's still getting that sort of like external validation like yeah what should I be wearing can I wear makeup when I start secondary school and all this kind of thing hippie mother steps in and says sort of like raise your vibe and attract your tribe and she's like seriously mother but it is that if you're thinking negative then you know you would put up with your mum you know you would put up with you know the shocking fact that everyone knows someone that's been murdered I mean that blows me away you know but you've moved away from that and it's just amazing absolutely amazing yeah and it you know it it sounds very glorious but I have to just stress that it was it was a difficult journey and it I, there was a lot of work I had to do and removing myself from that environment was not an easy thing to do it was it was really difficult for so many reasons one of them being is because of the culture I come from so I'm from South Africa and I grew up in South Africa and there came a point in my life where I just had to leave South Africa because I knew that even if I moved somewhere in South Africa um, the culture is so spread out around South Africa there'll always be someone who knows someone who knows someone <laughs> it'd be like Hannah's been doing x y and z <laughs> So I said, keep, keep an eye on Hannah for me. <laughs> so I knew that I couldn't escape the community in within, being within South Africa. And also there was the other aspect of being a woman in my culture uh, where I wasn't even allowed to live alone. I was told that if I wanted to move out of my mom's house, I should be getting a Muslim female roommate to live with. My family didn't actually know that I wasn't even a practicing Muslim at that point. And I seriously just wanted to live alone because I was married for about seven years. I just got out of a marriage and I really just wanted to be alone for a while. They couldn't accept that. They couldn't respect that. And I just knew that leaving the country was what I had to do. But imagine I wasn't allowed to live alone in South Africa. Imagine what it was like to tell my family that I am moving alone to another country. <laughs> that was scary. So you are you a Muslim? You were a Muslim or you was raised as a Muslim? I was raised as a Muslim. I don't identify as Muslim anymore. Yeah. So he's raised as a Muslim and then you mm. married in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Into a very conservative Muslim family, by the way. Okay. But then that ended in divorce. Mm -hmm. Is that acceptable Muslim faith? I'm just trying to learn. Um. I think now, it, so I can't, again, like I'm not going to speak for Muslim faith because I, I just want to stress that Islam is very different around the world. The culture of Islam is very different in every country. So I can't like make a blanket statement here, <laughs> um, but I can speak for my own culture that I think like in modern times, divorce has become more acceptable. There's still a bit of a stigma around it, but it's, it is more acceptable. And within my family, there's quite a lot of divorces um, to be quite honest I think that there's there's always a stigma and it that's why it actually took me so long to get a divorce so I was married for a good seven years but I was unhappy for I would say most of them but it took me that long to say I need a divorce because of the stigma behind it, because I didn't want to disappoint my family talking about people pleasing, you know, for me, that was like the one right thing I did in their heads was getting married into this very conservative Muslim family. And if I divorced, it would be seen as a failure. And then there was also the issue of when you do get divorced, it's kind of like grieving all over again, because you built this whole life for yourself in a marriage. And then you 
all of a sudden it's all over and then you have to like restart your life and I remember kind of feeling that I had designed my entire life around this marriage now what do I do um and also like I just mentioned I couldn't there was the aspect of where I was going to live because I had to go and live back with my mom and I knew I knew that was not going to be a good idea and it really wasn't a good idea <laughs> Um, it, it really blowed, blowed up in both our faces and it did our relationship no good. But yeah, all of that led to me saying, Hannah's got to get out of here. <laughs> I think it's really important to reiterate at this point that obviously the show is all about positive changes, a self-kick. It's got like a lighthearted sound to it because it comes from my first book, which is quite humorous. But I love what you're sharing today because, you know, whilst I can suggest things you know to start doing today like making that one change it's really important to reiterate that actually you've gone through so much because your journey of who you are today well obviously started at birth but predominantly from when your dad was shot at the age of six and you're saying like you've gone on now like 27 years and now you're really getting that I'm going to please myself so it's not a sudden positive change but there was a willingness to create change which I think is a really valuable lesson for anyone listening it sounds, you know, because when we look back on our life, we can just sort of stick it into a paragraph, don't we? We can consolidate like three decades into sort of one paragraph. But you have not stopped creating positive changes. You know, like your dad died, you weren't grieving. You don't have a great relationship with your mother. You didn't have that to fall back on. Then you try and find a different type of love and you get married. And now you're moving. I mean, this positive change is, you know, for most of your life, you've been creating this positive change that started at the age of six. So for anyone out there, just want to reiterate that it's not sudden, but it's achievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely achievable. And like, I do, I do want to even just put it out there that I have been, I have been suicidal quite a few times in my life. And I did actually try to kill myself at one point as well. So it's just, I cannot stress how difficult the journey had been and you know I'm I'm positive now I'm happy now I'm living I guess you know cliche my best life now <laughs> but you know what it wasn't an easy journey to get here and I know if anyone is in that difficult situation I know I was there I know it's difficult it is no one's going to rob you of that it is difficult um but there is hope yeah, thank you so much. I just felt I really had to say, like, because I don't want to dilute your story from the positive aspect, but it's like, you know, pretty much all your life you've been making these positive changes to get you to your best life. And so people are out there going, well, it's okay for Hannah, it's okay for Shelley. But we have had that point where we thought enough's enough. Like mine, I'm really honest, was during my last pregnancy. And I was like, I just can't take anymore. I just can't do it anymore. And you've been there. We've both been to that point of wanting to take our own life. And we're just saying there is hope this too, you know, was it this too shall pass. And it is that just keep going. For sure. There, there is hope. I, I read a very powerful meme the other day about suicide. And they were saying that someone was saying that they wanted to take their life, but they realized that it wasn't their life that they wanted to end. It was just the life as they knew it that they wanted to end. And that is such a powerful statement because there's so much of truth in that. Like, if you really think about it, do you want your life to end or do you want your life to change? It's a powerful, powerful thing to think about. That is seriously powerful. And it is so true, isn't it? That 
it's not really your life you want to end it's just your current reality your current situation but you know day goes tonight that we are always changing so hang on in there is what hang we're on. trying to say yeah definitely I remember that one point when I was so suicidal that I was actually just I just honestly thought that there was things were never going to change. I honestly, I remember I was, this was after my divorce. I was back living with my mom. I felt so trapped because I was like trapped in that marriage for seven years. And then I was back in that, in my mom's, like, I felt like I was always passed on as an object to be controlled from person to person. So it's my mom, my ex-husband, my mom again, and someone was always trying to control me. And I felt like I was never going to have my own life. I was never going to have my own choices. And I just, I remember in that moment, just feeling nothing's ever going to change. And it was like one of the lowest points in my life. Um, and I remember even telling one of my brothers that, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to move away. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I, I left to Turkey in the end. And I was, t- I told him I'm going to move to like Turkey or Thailand or something. And he was like, that's impossible. You can't do that. And I did. I think that's, a, he just got so many good points. I love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is like we're saying like I annoy my 10 year old daughter by saying like raise your vibe attract your tribe but it is that whole thing that isn't it the five people you're closest to the five people you surround yourself with are the behavior that you will mimic so always surround yourself with positive people you want your cheerleaders you want the people you can bounce the positive ideas of you want the people that can support you on those really bad down days Mm-hmm. and as you say when you go to create these positive changes which might not feel positive at the time sometimes it feels more like a breakdown than a breakthrough but when you're creating these changes you need people to sort of support you and if you haven't got that support keep going because as you've proven that the right people will come they come you know like I know at one point in my life it was just one person and then it was two and then it was three and now I can't even count the amount of people that are around me <laughs> yeah I think that's fabulous they do yeah and you do often lose people along the way I'm not just talking death I'm about friendships relationships with our parents you know our siblings our friendships they change everything changes but just trust you know I say the universe has your back which is a bit woo-woo for many but you know that trust that good times will come better times will come Mm -hmm. and people will have your back yeah. And I mean, if you don't like believe in trusting universe, I also take it a step further and say, trust yourself, trust your trust what's inside you. Cause that for me, that's my important, most important navigator is to trust myself and that I will be okay in the end. I will get there. Yeah. Cause I say that about belief, like you're going to believe in anything in this life, then believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. actually somebody asked me recently like with religion and stuff they were like what do you actually believe in and I was like that's a really good question I think that I actually just believe in myself more than anything else <laughs> it's great though we should because you know we're already constant other people will come and go like we're saying but you're always mm-hmm. going to be here from your first breath to your last so you know be your best friend absolutely yeah so bless you you've done amazingly well as I keep saying and you've moved yourself away from the environment, which wasn't easy because there was divorce, death, religion, countries, and slowly you've made that transition, you've moved away. So -hmm. that's one of the tools you use to create this site, three decades of positive change. Mm -hmm. You talked about CBT, that's cognitive behavior therapy. That's right, yeah. I've been for uh, CBT therapy for for a long time. I've been I've been in and out of therapy for most of my life. Um, but when I found CBT, that was kind of like 
it really gave me the tools to be able to deal with things on my own. And I think the last um, therapy session I had, my therapist was actually like, you know what, you have all the tools now to be your own therapist, because I was kind of like schooling him <laughs> in the <laughs> sessions. <laughs> I love that. You know, you always, I'm like a sponge, always want to learn, Hannah, but you get to that point, you think, Shelley, you should probably start teaching. And it's great you've reached that point because we've said it because we really want people listening today to do the same. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep going, keep getting that help, keep getting that therapy. And you'll get to that point, that little light bulb, and thinking, oh, I'm there. Yeah. Living my best exactly. life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I guess it's, 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 it takes time, but you can, you can get to that point of clarity, but I do believe that your environment plays a very important role for sure. Uh, you know, being in that toxic environment, I, I was telling a friend the other day that there's a lot going home of going on back home and I'm so far removed from it. And my family kind of has this, this mentality that if you are living abroad, they don't want to give you bad news. Basically, it's kind of like if you're living abroad, you're not part of this family is basically what they say. <laughs> But I'm so far removed from the drama and I kind of like it as well because it's kind of like not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> and you're just watching it all from afar. But I was telling my friend, like, I don't know what I would be like if I was still in that environment. And then I was like thinking back again, I was like, to be quite honest, I don't know if I would actually still be here if I was still in that environment. It's, it, you know, the harsh reality is I don't know if I would still be around um, because... I could not live in that environment. And that's a huge realization, isn't it? Like thinking, you know, because I do that, you sort of put yourself, what if I taken that job? You know, what if I stayed with that man? And when you put yourself in it, does that actually say, like, I don't think I'd even be on this earthly plane? You think, you know, no. that's why you're not allowed to say you've done quite well, Hannah, because <laughs> you know, you're still here. And I'm so grateful for that. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely love that. So people are listening today, we've, you know, we have said that it's not. A quick solution you didn't just sort of like just hand your way through it all you know you've had so much loss in your life be that like your dad the relationship with others mm-hmm. marriage and things like you had loss after loss after loss but it can be done so if people listening today what would you say would be the best one positive change they could start with right so I truly believe that the best one positive change you can make right now is to just become refreshingly honest with yourself because as we mentioned earlier if you cannot admit that there's a problem inside you're not going to be able to fix it and we can be so afraid to recognize our feelings to recognize our hurt to recognize how human we are and that can put a barrier within ourselves so I say that we need to really sit down and become so honest with ourselves that we can't run away from these things anymore. We have to face them. It's scary, but we have to face them. And I actually do have a small guide on my website, refreshinglyhuman.co.uk, that you can grab with five easy steps on how to start becoming refreshingly honest with yourself. Because I really truly believe that that is when we start to implement the bigger changes in our lives. It's like a foundation step for me. Is that a really simple one? Like you just sit with it 10 minutes what do you do and it starts to bubble up or journal how do they start um so in in the document that I have there's five different approaches to this but yes um definitely 
I think sitting down with a journal, uh, well, one of, one of the two things I mentioned in this document is either sitting down with a journal and writing things out, but there's another one that's a little bit kooky, but you know what? We all do it. We all talk to ourselves. We all have these inner dialogues. I would say actually try having that dialogue out loud with yourself and see what comes out, see, see what you are talking about, but you have to lower your self-defense. You have to lower your guard and you have to just let everything out and see what comes out because it can surprise you. I love that. I mean, I talk to myself anyway, Hannah. But right? I know we all do it. all for me. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. Like I have the most bizarre conversations in my head. It's it's crazy. But we're probably already doing that. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's why I talk to myself. I think it's being self-employed. Just me my team meeting, my staff meeting. It's just me, so I have to talk to myself. But you know, my mum. Um, bless you, she's probably listening. But my mum always says, all the answers we need are within us. So if we're speaking out our words, you know, I think that's a really powerful way of doing it. It is. I did it in, in therapy once. My therapist made me like, um, she put two chairs out and she made me talk to my past self. And uh, it's it's really kooky, but it's so powerful because it really made me realize that this whole time, what I've been feeling was I was feeling sorry for past Hannah. I was feeling protective of past Hannah. I was feeling bad for her. And then that kind of was my realization moment that, you know what? I've been my own mother figure my whole life. I've got this, you know, I don't need that from anyone else. So it's a really powerful tool. It works. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Cause I'm thinking really, when you were six, you were dealt adult problems and you can't really solve an adult problem with a child's mind. No. But as an adult, you can then befriend and talk to that child. So I think that's really powerful. It is. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was like a breakthrough moment in my life. Yeah. So bless you. That's going to head. So tell us one more time. The freebie you're offering today is the five easy steps to becoming refreshingly human with yourself. And the link Fresh. again. It's www.refreshinglyhuman.co.uk. Fabulous. So I will stick that in the show notes so we can all sit there and talk to ourselves or journal it away. Because I think in, <laughs> if it's work for Hannah, I'm doing it. <laughs> So Hannah Pillow, I have a little bit of a crush on you. I think you're the most amazing woman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Shelley. It's been great. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>